Well, good morning, Portico. Great to have you here this morning. Welcome those of you joining us online today. And uh, those of you in the chapel, we want to welcome you in our video cafe as well. We're one church, many expressions, and uh, we just love coming together like this. And it's so good to have you here. If you're visiting today, we trust you feel just right at home. But more importantly, that you have heard and felt and experienced that Jesus Christ is Lord and Victor in our lives today. So it's good to have you here. I want you to take your Bibles out. If you need to borrow a Bible, raise your hand real, real high. And in our main campus here and over in our venues as well, keep your hand up. We'll make sure we get a Bible to you. And if you have your electronic electronic devices, you can take them out. Go to you version if you would like to follow along today. And keep your hand up. We're going to get a copy. Leave it on the chair when we're done. And you can track with us. We're in a series, and we're looking at life, riv- life rhythms. Well, let's try this again. Life rhythms, synchronized living in an offbeat world. And we've been looking at different aspects of our life and how to build into emotionally, spiritually healthy followers of Jesus Christ. So it's been a great couple of weeks. I would encourage you, if you've missed any of the messages, go back, go to our website. You can follow along line. They're building blocks. They all lead one into the other, and it's going to be a great, great series as we work our way through. Today, I want to talk to you about a very, very specific part of our lives. Now, if you're new to faith and you're investigating Christianity, we're so glad you're here. Ask your questions, wrestle it down. We welcome them, and we just want you to know that we really believe that God has an answer for your life and a purpose, and you'll discover that. But I want to speak today really directly to those who are followers of Christ about an area of our lives that we often don't want to reveal to other followers of Christ. We're going to talk about what it's like when we have to push through the wall today. I had a really good friend of mine. You can turn, by the way, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 22, that's where we're going to land in our text. I had a really good friend of mine that uh, he's a runner. He's a long-distance runner, loves to run, gets up first thing in the morning, rain, shine, snow, sleet, whatever it is, he's out running. End of the day, he'll run. And he thought it would be great for me to run. I don't know what it was about. He just saw me and he said, hey, Doug, I'd love for you to run. I thought, why would you want to run? But anyhow, he gave me this book. It was the complete guide to long-distance running. He said, the book's going to help you train and prepare, know what to expect, you know, so you can be a long-distance runner. Then he said, and I want you to pay particular attention to the section that talks about hitting the wall. Now, you know me. Why would you run if you can ride a motorbike? Like, really? I'll wave at those people while I ride by. go, hey, good for you. I'm happy for you, but I'm happy in what I'm doing. But then he said this, you know, I want you to pay particular attention to the section that talks about hitting the wall. Now, it's not a literal wall. It's this figurative wall. And what he was talking about is for runners that are training, they understand something. You can be enthusiastic and start something and not adequately prepare for it. So you can get out there and start running, and then you hit what this, what's called this wall. It's when all the glycogen is burned up out of our liver and our muscles, and all of a sudden we experience severe fatigue, cramping. We just drop to our knees, and we're not able to continue on. And endurance sports athletes experience this condition. And he goes, you need to know how to prepare to be able to push through the wall. Well, I thought, man, that's kind of a violent thing to have to deal with. Why would you want to do that? But then I got comparing it to our spiritual lives, and I realized in many ways as followers of Christ, there are times in our lives when we hit a wall. It's when our spiritual resources are being expended at rates that we're not replenishing, and we find ourselves depleted, and we start to experience the loss of vision. We experience doubts and questions. We have confusion. And as we push into our life, you know, you check the physical gauge, it's good. You check the emotional gauge, it's good. You check the intellectual gauge, it's good. And then you check the spiritual one. And you go, why do I feel that I'm just out of sync? I'm not in rhythm in this one. And it's not because we're not committed followers of Christ, 
But it might be that we're in a season where we're either overexpending our spiritual resource or we've come into a period that's going to test us and it's going to challenge us. So I'm going to talk about pushing through the wall because it's a big part of our lives. And often when we hit the wall, this is that moment where we don't want to tell anybody else. We don't want to drop the guard. We don't want to you know, sort of reveal the true questions that are wrestling inside of us. We don't want to talk about the fact that we maybe have these doubts and uncertainty in our faith. And so we just kind of carry on. Like it's all going to be okay. So today I'm going to look at this pushing through the wall. And we're going to sort of learn some lessons. And if you turn to Genesis chapter 22, who better than to teach us a lesson than Abraham? This is someone who knew that the race for the spiritually, emotionally mature, that you're not running for enjoyment. You're not running for comfort and convenience. You're running for righteousness. It's the running of trust, obedience, and dependability. So in Genesis 22, little, little snapshot we're going to share with you. And it starts off very interesting. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. We're going to look at this story. We're going to get into a broader context, but don't miss this opening line. There are moments in our life when we hit a wall and it's where God says, I'm going to take you into a season where I'm going to stretch you and I'm going to build capacity in you. And you're going to have questions, you're going to have doubt, you're going to have uncertainty. But understand that at the beginning of this section, because people get to the end of the story and they go, why would God? But start at the beginning of the story and realize that he goes, I know the capacity of who I'm about to test and I know what he can endure. And so God knows every one of us. He knows our hearts, our capacities. He knows everything about our lives. And so when he gets to Abraham, he said, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, watch the wall. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I'll show you. This is a huge defining moment. We often miss the very intensity of the experience here because we're reading it from our point in time and we lose the emotion of history that comes with this. But for Abraham, he hits this wall where God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son that you love, the one that the promise is coming through, the one that your future is dependent upon. I want you to sacrifice him. And in that moment, Abraham hits the wall. Now today, here's what I want you to know. If you've ever hit the wall, you know exactly what this moment feels like. If you've never hit a wall, I want you to take notes today because you're going to need these notes at some point. You're going to go through this. And if you're at the wall today, I want you to take hope and I want you to push through because God's going to enable you to prevail.
Daniel. Keep very still. Try and stay calm. Annie. The other cam is moving. No. Try and reach the wall. See if you can anchor us back in. Try. Wait here, one cam's never gonna hold it. I can get you understand in. what I'm saying? You have to cut in. me loose. If you don't no, do this, I'm gonna, do it. I'm gonna pull everybody down and everybody's it'll gonna die. You're wrong. Shut it'll up, Eddie! It's it'll one down three, Peter. You understand don't, what I'm saying? Just think about it. Do this. All right, she's gonna kill don't your sister. And he's gonna die if you don't do this. Now cut the rope! No, I won't do it! Just cut the rope! Cut the rope! Any second now, the cam is gonna come out of the wall and Annie and you are gonna die! Is that what you want? You're gonna kill your sister! Everybody breathe. What would you have done? The knife, the rope, the wall, the uncertainty. That's exactly what Genesis 22 is all about. See, we read it in our context and we lose the moment. We go, well, isn't that great? God calls to Abraham and says, hey, go ahead and sacrifice your son. And we kind of dress it all up and we take away the emotions and the raw feeling that he had to wrestle with. Well, that's nice. Abraham just took Isaac and says, okay, God, I'm going to go sacrifice him. The rope, the knife, the fire, the wood, give me your son, your only son. Ishmael's not in the picture anymore. And I want you to sacrifice him to me. That's the wall. That's the wall that you have to wrestle through. And in your notes, I want to give you a couple of pointers as we go through this. But here's what I want you to understand about hitting a wall when you're a follower of Christ, that at the wall, we are deeply conflicted. We're deeply conflicted. There are moments in our faith journey that we wrestle with these questions. It's like our spiritual maturity just gets fatigued and depleted, and we don't know what God is doing. And there's a, there's a simple question that comes out of this. And at the wall, we ask this question, why? Why? And it's this deep conflict that just begins to stir around this inner emotion. If you go back into the life of Abraham, I want you to see it here. Because everything that God was asking him didn't make any sense. And this wasn't his first wall. This is critical. This wasn't his first wall. This was the man that when God spoke to him back in the Ur of the Chaldees, and he said, Abraham, I want you to leave your home, and I want you to leave your country, and I want you to leave your relatives, and leave your family, and I want you to go to a place. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to tell you where it is. Just trust me on this one. If you kind of head off in that direction, Abraham, and I'll got you covered, and I'll tell you when you get there. And Abraham will go, okay, I'm good. And he says goodbye to his country, and he leaves his relatives, and he leaves his family. 
and he starts to journey. And we go, well, that's not so bad. I mean, some people will go, I'll leave my family, no problem. And he starts to head out. And then we get to this place. He lands in this place called Canaan. Very interesting. He gets to Canaan. What does he do? He pitches his tent, and he builds a stone altar, and he worships God. His tent is temporary, but his altar is the permanent expression of his trust and reliance upon God. There's a whole message there for you. But he pitches his tent, and he lives in this land of Canaan. But when he gets to Canaan, if you follow his story, read it in the context of his life, he gets this land of Canaan where God says, you know, Abraham, when you trust me and you follow me, I'm going to take you to this place. And by the way, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be, have descendants like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore. And you are going to be the father of the nations. You'll be the light to the nations of the world. Abraham, just follow me. And he starts off on this spiritual journey, and then all of a sudden he gets to Canaan, and we read that he lands up in the time of famine. And you've got to ask yourself, there's another wall. Like, God, you said, okay, leave there, so I left there, and then, God, you bring me here, and you bring me here to a place that's desolate. I can't feed my family. I can't take care of my flocks. Where's the future in this? And so he, they make their way down to Egypt to overlive the, the famine, and then he come back up into the land of Canaan. When they come back to Canaan, the Bible says that, that Abraham and Lot, that's his nephew, Lot, they come back. Well, they had grown so much with their livestock and their prosperity, that they can no longer dwell in the land together. Now they're wrestling over the land. The herdsmen are wrestling and fighting with each other. Now you've got family disputes breaking out. So Abraham, being a trusted follower of God, is going, now what are we going to do? And so they get into a conversation. Abraham says to Lot, he said, okay, we can't live together. This isn't going to work anymore. So you need to choose the land. And so Lot, being the younger one, he wasn't the one that was called. He looks out and he goes, hey, I love, look at the valleys. Green, nice green valleys. Look at the towns that are cities down there. I'll take that way. You go to the dusty hills. Abraham's the one with the promise, not Lot. And Abraham says, okay, I'll take the hills. Go. And he gives it in. Another wall. God, I thought you brought me here for something greater than this. And then in the middle of all this, he goes, you said I was going to be the father of the nation. I don't even have a child. And so with Sarah by his side, his wife, Sarah says to her husband, she goes, well, then why don't you sleep with my maid servant, Hagar? Another wall. Being a good husband, as all good husbands do, he was obedient. Right, man? The wives are laughing, the men. I give you an opportunity, guys. You could have said, yeah, right, right there, right there, being obedient. So he sleeps with Hagar. What happens? Ishmael comes along. Ishmael's now despised by Sarah. There's another wall for you. And then Abraham has to pack up Hagar and Ishmael, put a water pouch, give them provision of food, send them off into the wilderness and say goodbye to his son. Isaac's born into the family, the child of promise. Finally, finally, God is able to deliver on the promise. Finally, his future is secured. And then Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis 22, we read these words. Look, it's there in your notes for you. In verse 2, God said to him, Take your son, your only son whom you love, and just in case you're confused about this, Isaac, and I want you to go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. And we know that Abraham, like any father, would be asking, Why, God? Why would you do this to me? How could you ask this of me? Haven't I proven my faithfulness? Talk about deep levels of conflict that he has to wrestle through. And these are the moments when we begin to wrestle with God and we question God and we go, God, why am I going through this crisis again? Why have I lost my job? Why is my health struggling? Why am I always in this relational meltdown situation? Why doesn't it seem my life gets any better? And we hit a wall where all of this tension, all of this emotion just begins to erupt. And it's not that we want to give our faith away. We want to hold on to our faith, but we don't want anybody else to know. So we smile. We put on our best appearance. We make everybody feel like we're doing really, really good. But there's something deep beneath the surface of our lives that as a follower of Christ, we're going, God, why? Why do you do this to me? 
and we feel like we're all alone, friends, take comfort in the fact that God would choose one of his most trusted servants. And he goes, I am going to expand your capacity. I'm going to give you endurance that you've never known about before. I am going to bless you in ways when your faithfulness has proven to me that you will achieve things greater than you ever dreamed of. And sometimes the wall is merely a point where God says, when you hit the wall, all I want to know is what are you willing to lay down and what are you willing to allow me to pour in? And that's what God is going to do at this wall. It happens to everyone. Even some of Jesus' closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, these are the people that he could hang out with. When he was traveling through the region of Bethany, these are the ones that he could call up, Instagram, text, whatever. He'd go over and have coffee with them and go, hey, I'm just going to spend a couple hours with you guys. They'd welcome him in. Jesus is up in the region of the Galilee, and he gets notified. Lazarus is sick. You need to come. And Jesus makes a decision in the moment. He goes, no, I can't go right now. And even though they're urging him, he's really sick. You've got to go. He goes, no, I can't go right now. And he delays, and in the delay, it costs the life of his friend Lazarus. Lazarus dies. See, friends, this is real stuff. This isn't just the story of Scripture that feels nicely sanitized. This is real stuff. This is Mary and Martha who are now grieving over the loss of their brother. They're going, we've seen this man heal before. We've seen this man work miracles before. We've seen this man respond to the power and the anointing of God. And if he would come, we know our brother would be alive today. And Jesus, when he makes his way to Bethany, Martha meets him. Talk about questions and deeply conflicted. Look what she says. We find it in John chapter 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus... If you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you feel the words here? They drip with emotions and conflict. What she's really saying in this moment is, why didn't you come sooner? Why didn't you come sooner? Why did you let my brother die? Why did you let your friend die? What's the purpose in all of this? She couldn't see past the wall. She couldn't see what God was going to do on the other side of that wall. And God was taking a moment moving her into this capacity where he was going to expand her endurance and strengthen her faith and show her a miracle that would just blow them all away. But it's in these moments when our worlds are turned upside down and regardless of whatever form it comes in, a crisis, a challenge, a loss, doesn't matter what it is, these walls leave us feeling deeply conflicted and uncertain. But these are the moments. These are the moments where God says, I will stretch you. And I will give you a rhythm in life that will give you endurance beyond anything you've ever known before. Back into your notes. I want you to write this down. Number two, at the wall, at the wall we learn to walk with tension. It's when we come to these moments that we've asked God why and all this uncertainty is just sort of boiling over inside of our spirit and inside of our life. Then we move into another stage and we start to walk with tension. And the question changes. It's no longer why, God. The question now begins to lengthen out. It's, God, where are you? It's when you pray and it seems like heaven doesn't answer anymore. And it's when you walk through the days and you feel like there's a, a gap, there's an absence, there's just a pause in your world. And you go, God, where are you in this moment? How do I see this? Well, if we had time, I wish we could read the whole story. It's Genesis 22, 1 to 15, but let me give you a little synopsis. God says to Abraham, interesting how he works with him. He said, Abraham, I want you to go to the region of Moriah. doesn't tell him specifically where again. just said, go to the region of Moriah. I'm going to show you another place. And I want you to go on a three-day journey. And you go, three days? Three days. He's already wrestling with the request. And now add into the moment this tension that comes. Talk about having to walk with tension. What does three days represent? Three days represents the protracted period of time that he has to walk with. No further answers, wondering, God, 
where are you in the middle of this? Why would you do this to me? And those three days would be a time that would allow him to begin to contemplate and press down and wrestle through and wonder, what is it? See, time creates the vacuum where tension becomes tangible. When God puts us into a season of the wall, time now creates this tension, this moment. It's a vacuum where all of a sudden we start to feel like we're strained and we're being pulled and we're being stretched. And many just want to throw in the towel and go, you know, I'm done with this. I'm done. But Abraham just goes, I'm going to walk those three days. I've been at the wall before. I'll walk those three days. I'm going to figure this one out. And it's just filled with all kinds of tension. Now, there's a different side of tension here I want you to see. That when you're at the wall, you're managing tension, and sometimes it's not just your tension. Have you ever thought about the conversation that must have taken place between Abraham and Sarah? Think about this. So God says to Abraham, because I don't think he talked to both of them, he said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, whom you love, Isaac, and I want you to go sacrifice him. So Picture in your mind Abraham going over to the tent and going, you know, Sarah, question, would you be good? Would you be good if I took our son on a road trip? She goes, where are you taking him? Well, I thought I'd take him over to the region of Moriah. What are you going to do with him? Hang out. How long? Me, three days. What about Isaac? Not sure he's coming back. Over my dead body, you're taking my son on a trip like that. Any father in the room, you know that the moment you put your son or your daughter in jeopardy, they're no longer your children, they are your wife's children. You know that, right? I've been there before with my wife, Laura. I understand this. We have one son between us, and he wins all the time. If I get into the zone of jeopardy, it's over my dead body, not my son's, that you know, she's going to win in this one. So here's Abraham with the tension. I don't think he told Sarah. I think he just kind of gave her a little bit of insight. We're going to go off, we're going to worship God together. And I'm going to take Isaac on this trip with me. Now think about the tension for Isaac. Because the story is just filled with this too. So Abraham, the father, goes to his son and goes, Hey, Isaac, you want to go on a road trip? Oh, Dad, who wouldn't want to go, right? You're a boy, you're a young boy, and your dad says, Let's do a road trip together. I'm in. Let's go. What are we going to do? Ah, oh, we'll go camping. We'll go, you know, off into nature. We'll look at the stars. We'll kind of look at the different, you know, constellations. You know, we'll sacrifice. We'll worship God. He goes, Oh, great idea, great idea. So let's get going on the trip. So they're all getting ready to go, and Abraham starts putting the supplies together. He's got the, right, uh, the knife, he's got the rope, he's got the fire, he's got the wood. Isaac's actually going to carry the wood, the Bible says. And then Isaac asks him a question that's there in the notes for you. Genesis 22, 7 and 8. So Isaac speaks up, hey, Dad. Doesn't say that, says Father, by the way. Says, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. So the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answers, he said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went off together. Interesting. Even Isaac picked it up. Dad, this is an incomplete journey. If we're going to go off and we're going to sacrifice and worship, it's not finished. Now watch what happens. Three days. On the third day, when they finally reached the region of Moriah, God whispers into Abraham's spirit. He goes, this is the place. This is the place. He leaves the servants behind. He takes his son, and they journey together, and then they start to build the altar. Now, who wouldn't want this opportunity? Can there be a better opportunity than a father teaching his son how to worship God? Isaac, go get a couple of those stones over there. I'll grab a couple of stones, and they start to formulate the stones. They start to build up the altar. And Isaac's like, Dad, this is really cool. We're having a great time, aren't we? Just hanging out together. This is, this is what we should do all the time. Dad, we should do another camping trip next year. I think this is the way to go. We're going to worship God, right? Dad? You know how kids can ask more questions. You just go... And the whole time, Isaac is pumped about the experience, and Abraham is walking in tension. Because he knows what God has asked. Isaac doesn't. 
So they get all the stones built. you got this nice little altar all set up. And then the Bible says they took the wood and they put the wood on top. It's all ready to go. And so like any curious boy would do, so where's the lamb? What are we going to sacrifice, Dad? Abraham says, son, go give me the rope. Okay, Dad, I'll go get the rope. Runs over, grabs the rope, comes back again. Abraham takes the rope and he goes, Isaac, put out your hands. I don't know if it was friend. I don't know if it was back. I don't, we don't know that part of the story. And he goes, put out your hands. Can you imagine Isaac in that moment going, Dad, what are you doing? And Abraham begins to tie the rope around his son. Dad, what are you doing? Isaac, trust me. Trust me. Then he kneels down and he starts to tie the feet of his son. And the Bible says that at this moment, Abraham picks his son up and he takes him over and he lays him on the wood. I can't even imagine I can't even imagine being a dad myself. In that moment, to have my son laying on the wood, you have to know tears are running down the face of Isaac. Dad, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. It's okay, son, trust me. Dad, why? Why are we doing this? I thought we came to worship God. Where's the lamb? Son, trust me in this. Friends, a wall is a moment where tension is real. It's not the absence of faith. Faith thrives in tension. Don't miss this. And he goes, he's already told me, he says, God's going to provide this lamb. And I just look at this picture and I see Abraham. And now that everything is ready to go and the fire pot is there beside the altar, all that has to happen now is for the sacrifice to take place. For Abraham to take the knife and to raise the knife up. And in that moment be willing to do whatever it was that God had called him to do. Friends, this is what a wall looks like. It's not that sanitized version of Scripture that we make it so simple. There is so much to be learned in here. And Abraham, as he's standing over his son, I can only imagine the conversation that's taking place. Son, close your eyes. Close your eyes. And with tears running down the cheek of his son, Abraham is fully prepared to do whatever it is that God has called him to do. But again, there is not the absence of tension in this. Faith is emerging in ways that we've never seen before. Romans 4.13, it's in your notes. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world. It was through the righteousness that comes by faith. Friends, when you are at the wall, whatever you're going through, and you've moved from the question of why to where are you, God? He has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. But your capacity for endurance, your ability to be stretched, your ability to be shaped, your maturity and the deepening of your character is taking place in ways that you've never seen before. And God is about to prevail in ways that you've never experienced before. And it takes me to my third point and write this one down. It's that at the wall, we can experience God's presence. There's an opportunity to experience the presence of God in some of the most difficult circumstances of our lives. But I was careful about the way I worded this. I said, we can experience, but it doesn't mean we will. Because some people can never get to the place of the full surrender. In fact, there was a a businessman talking with Jesus one time, wanting to know what the kingdom of God looked like and how to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he goes, so what's this kingdom all about? Jesus goes, well, you know. And in their conversation together, it's the love God and love, love your neighbor. And they get that all settled and out of the way. And he says, you know, I've done all this. I've kept the commandments and I got the two commandments nailed. I'm, I'm really good with this. He goes, what am I missing? What am I missing? And Jesus said, go and sell everything. Go and sell everything. 
I want you to give it away to the poor and then come follow me. What Jesus was telling him to do is you need to bind up your wealth. You need to tie up all your forms of self-reliance. You need to tie up the thing that has taken over your first love. And you need to set that on the wood of the altar and be prepared to sacrifice that and set it down. And it's in that moment that's where the experience of God takes place. But for so many people, they get to the wall, and it's in the moment and the questions of the why and God, where are you? And when there's that full release and that sense of surrender and God saying, give me your first love. Give me whatever holds you back. Give me whatever is your form of self-reliance. Give me what keeps you from the very best of my life that we have to make a decision. Will I lay it on the altar, or am I going to take it back again and then just walk away from the wall? And it's in that moment that we watch what Abraham does in Genesis 22, verse 11 and 13. As Abraham raises his hand, knowing full well that this is the son of promise, the son of the future, the angel of the Lord calls out to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Wow. 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 To have the knife in your hand... And have a moment where God provides and to be able to go back to your son who's still tied on the altar and to take the same knife and not sacrifice your son but to release him from his bondage and set him free and put a substitute in place. Friends, there's a picture of the cross and the picture of communion there right there of what God did for us but God never took his son off the cross. He never rescued his son in that moment. He let him die for us. But Abraham has a sacrificial lamb, and this beautiful imagery comes in. Can you imagine how much Isaac learned in that moment as his dad taught him how to trust God implicitly into the darkness of the wall where the fog of misunderstanding is its thickest, and he releases him. And it's in that moment that Abraham would experience God's presence. This was not a man who was running the race of recreational spirituality. This wasn't about enjoyment and comfort and convenience. This wasn't when it gets hard that I'm going to turn back. This was the race of righteousness. This is trusting God, obeying God, submitting to God, even when I don't understand God. And Abraham experienced God in a way that he'd never known him before. And in that moment, the presence and the peace and the provision of God begins to just pour into his life. See, we so often, we want the peace of God to make it through the wall. I like what John Ortberg talked about. John Ortberg mentions, I'll just paraphrase it for you, but he goes, so often we pray, God, give me your peace and then I'll go through. And he goes, no, 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 God's waiting for you to step out in faith and then his peace will fill. And that's how it works. And God is there and he's ready. I want you to think for a moment real quickly about the location that they're at. Why did God call him to Moriah? What is it about this place that at the pinnacle of the pressure, standing on Moriah, this is the place. This is the place where the Lord appeared to David. This is the place where Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. This is the place where Calvary and Christ and God's substitution for our sin all took place. This is the place where we experience God's presence in its most powerful forms. And God offers that to us. But it's in the haze of the moment, uncertain of what we're going to do. But when we press into that wall and we trust and we obey and we raise our hand and we're willing to take whatever it is that we love more than anything in the world and lay it on the altar and we're willing to take any crisis and any doubt and any concern and lay it on the altar and go, God, I trust you. 
we're willing to release it into the hands of God, that God's presence sweeps into our life in more powerful ways than we'll ever experience. Isaiah 43, 2, it's in your notes. The Bible says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. What are those moments that we're talking about? These are the wall moments of our lives that when we're going through circumstances that are absolutely unfathomable, we don't know how we're going to get through, what we're going to do. Maybe it is a loss of a job. Maybe it is the the statement of cancer and health and sickness. Maybe it is a relational breakdown. Whatever it is, God says, when you go through those seasons, what did he say? I will be with you. I will be with you. Friends, I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know what the questions and the experience that you're in the middle of right now. But God would make a declaration to Abraham one more time. And he would declare to him at the beginning, at the top of Moriah, he goes, Abraham, let me restate my covenant with you. Now that I know, now that I know, you will not withhold anything from me. I will bless you. I will favor you. And your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham, think of the beach You can't count the grains of sand, Abraham, but you're going to have descendants as numerous as the grains of sand on the beach. Friends, that promise and that blessing is for every one of us who is a follower of Christ, that when we stay true, we have capacity, we have endurance, and we press through the walls, that even when we feel the tension of where are you, God, and we have the doubts of why, God, and he goes, stay with me on the journey. Stay with me on the journey. Because when you prevail in your moment of greatest need, my provision My provision is yours. Friends, that's what we learn together. This is the God of the angel armies. This is the God who says, I will go before you. This is the God who says, I stand behind you. And this is the God who says, I stand beside you. Little wonder, little wonder that Abraham is the one to be called the friend of God. Because God realized even Isaac couldn't displace Abraham's love for his heavenly father. So whatever it is this morning, whatever challenge, whatever trial, whatever circumstance, whatever good thing, it might even be all the blessings that you have in your life. It could be all the provisions that God's given you. When we hit that wall and we're in that moment, all God's asking for, put it on the altar because there's nothing greater than simply loving him. And in that moment, he provides. Amen. Father, this morning, it's so true. It resonates deep to our core. There are moments when the why and where are you are so strong that it causes doubt and uncertainty, a loss of vision and spiritual fatigue. But I pray for every man, woman, and child listening to my voice today that Abraham would not be an Old Testament story, but he would be a model, a mentor, someone that we understand that just as he discovered faith in God, our faith in Christ and the provision of Christ means that because of Calvary, we have victory over everything that we face, that there's nothing in life that's greater than loving you and serving you. So Lord, some are going through deep challenge, deep crisis, deep trials. As they press into their wall, I pray, Father, help them prevail through. Pray for others that maybe we've become enamored by our lives and all that we have, that today would be just a moment of fresh surrender. We lay it all down again and go, God, I want nothing to stand between me and my love for you. Lord, would you help us just to push through the wall today? And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.